Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, we are continuing this series called Destiny, and today I want to talk to you about the resurrection of our bodies. And as you just heard, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. In fact, they believed that when you died, that was it. It was over, which if you think about it, is what a lot of people think today. You die, that's it. Game over. Inevitably, though, that leads to a nothing matters kind of attitude. I mean, even if you were to say, you know, this life is all there is, so I'm going to just soak it up while I can, still, you die. That's it. Think about it. Ultimately, that means death wins. That means death is sort of the master because we all die. To be a little bit more somber about it, that means actually then that death is God. But Jesus is God. Amen? Oh, you're asleep still this morning. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. And He is risen from the dead. His whole ministry on earth was to give us life. And all of that culminated in the resurrection of His body on Easter Sunday morning. And what that means for us is now everything matters because everything is now pointing to this destiny of ours, the resurrection of our body. So not only does Jesus correct the Sadducees because he affirms, no, there is a resurrection, but he also refutes this ridiculous hypothetical scenario that they put out to trap him. If a woman dies and she's been married to seven guys, whose wife would she be in the resurrection, Jesus? No. What Jesus does is he clarifies and says that while there certainly are connections to this life, the life to come is not just more of the same of what we've known now. And so, for example, marriage is good for this life, for companionship and to give life, to make babies, right? But in the life to come, it's going to be replaced with something far greater. The marriage between Jesus and his bride, the church, and with us. It will be replaced with something better. My father-in-law loves to tell a story about how he figured out the day he was replaced. We, uh, Shelly and I had just started dating, and we were all out to dinner. I was out with their family, and she wasn't going to finish her steak. And so she looked at me, and she offered it to me. You should have seen the forlorn look on my father-in-law, now father-in-law's face, because see, leftovers had always been his domain, and now... It wasn't just the lost steak, right? I mean, he realizes that this kid is now going to soon, as it all turned out, sweep away his daughter in marriage. But parenting is replaced with grandparenting, which I am told, not there yet, but what I'm told is far better, right? Those of you who are grandparents, because you can take them and play with them and spoil them and fill them with sugar and then give them back to their parents, right? I once saw this bumper sticker, And it said, if I had known grandkids were this much fun, I would have had them first. (laughs) Well, so I took Dave's daughter away in marriage, and God gave him five grandchildren in place. And so my point is, this analogy is that this resurrection to come is not just more of the same. It's connected, but it's, it's far better. Several months ago, I received an email from someone, and I'm glad this person asked, but here's what he asked. Pastor, the claim that the dead in Christ will rise to be resurrected upon his return, this concept makes absolutely no sense to me. 
Why would the Christian need to be raised? Upon my death, my spirit or soul goes to be with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, regardless of Jesus' second coming. There would be no need for my body from that point on for eternity, correct? Well, I really am glad this person asked, but no, that's not correct. That's not what we believe. The resurrection of our bodies is our destiny. Our destiny is not like Star Wars, where when we die, we sort of escape our bodies, and then we join this, you know, invisible force out there somewhere. In fact, it's no wonder why people, I think, today are bored with the idea of an afterlife. We envision heaven as this sort of ghostly, bland existence with lots of bright clouds and light. We're just kind of floating around, and elevator music's playing all the time for eternity. Blah! Ugh! Boring! No, no, no. See, we believe that our bodies will rise. And one of the reasons why I think we struggle to understand a purpose for our bodies in the afterlife is that we don't understand the purpose of our bodies now. We see our bodies as merely functional. They do this and they do that. So when we die and we no longer need them to do this or that, those functions, then we no longer need our bodies, right? No, 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 no. Our bodies... And only our bodies are the point of connection, the way in which we have communion with each other and ultimately with God. You see, your body is equipped with receptors, antennas, if you would. We call them our five senses. Our five senses are the ways that we receive everything. It's how we know anything. Think of those five senses those bodily senses and what happens through them. We see the vivid colors of the fall leaves. We can taste that crispy on the outside and warm, gooey sweetness on the inside of a chocolate chip cookie. Mm. Smell the cinnamon spicy aroma of warm apple cider. Hear the playful giggle of a child. Or how about touch and feel the soft sheets and the warm blankets as you crawl into bed on a cool fall night. Or if we even make it more personal, the comforting embrace of a parent or friend when you're crying, or the electrifying touch of your spouse. Christianity is a very sensual, bodily religion. But see, here is the problem that we have in this life. Our soul, our heart is sort of unplugged from our bodies. This is how God kind of made it to be. See, we are meant to receive all of God's goodness as a sort of direct infusion of His love through our five bodily senses. But it's supposed to go through our senses directly into our hearts. Now, knowing that we could never repay him for all of the goodness that he shows us, still we have these now flooded and overflowing hearts, all of his goodness there. And so what we want to do is through our bodies, we want to become a selfless gift of love to others. We want to serve. And it's through our bodies that our hearts want to sort of explode in worship with gratitude and praise and love forever for God. Amen. It's the way it's supposed to be. But it's not. Because you see, our hearts are sort of 
unplugged from our bodies. Instead of taking it all in through our senses, from God and into our hearts, what we do is we take all of those pleasing sensations and we turn those things into our gods. We actually turn our body into God, our personal pleasures into God. We go after everything that our bodies can grab and can consume, and we think that this is somehow going to fill us up. All of these sort of little momentary fixes that we can somehow fill ourselves up with it. And so what we do is we stuff ourselves and we gorge ourselves to the point of making ourselves sick, and then we find out when it's gone, we're empty, and so we just repeat the cycle. And what happens is insatiable lust and greed, and craving, and gluttony, and even eventually addiction take over and control us. Now our bodies are ruling our hearts, instead of our hearts ruling our bodies. But this is the joy and the hope of our destiny, the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection And not only does that mean the perfected, recreated body that would never die, it also means that we would have hearts fully plugged into those bodies and now in control of them. And our destiny means even more than this, not just the resurrection of our bodies. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Scriptures say when Christ comes again, He's going to recreate the entire universe, the physical universe. There will be a new heavens and a new earth for us to enjoy. We're going to be able to eternally take in that new heavens and new earth through our resurrected bodies. So then what do you think we're going to do for eternity? If you read the scriptures, all the scenes of the afterlife, many of them are all about worshiping God for eternity. Now, some of us hear that or we're thinking right now, great, so heaven's going to be like an eternal church service. How exciting. Yeehaw. If that's how you feel, then what does that say about your life now? About how unplugged your heart is from your body? Because you see, if we were at all taking in the gifts and the goodness of God, which barrage our five bodily senses all day long. And if we at all truly and rightfully and gratefully receive them into our hearts, then this hour that we spend in worship each week wouldn't be enough for us. Gathering for Holy Eucharist would be the summit of our week. We we wouldn't be able to wait to get here because we know when we get here, through our ears, we're going to hear in His Word how much God loves us. On our tongues, the, the goodness, we're going to taste and see the goodness of our God in this Holy Eucharist. And through these senses of ours, God in Jesus Himself is going to enter in through our bodies and into our hearts. And if we knew that and understand that, it would make our hearts explode with praise. We would sing until our voices grow hoarse. If your heart is plugged rightly into your body, you will crave that time every day to open up God's holy word and let him speak to you. You will crave that intimate time every day in prayer with him. But maybe you do know what I mean. Because maybe you have had those moments when your heart was plugged in correctly as you received his holy gifts. 
And it was a moment of true bliss in your life with your heart throbbing and joys, tears of joy just streaming down your face. Maybe you have experienced that. I was gifted with such a moment last summer. We were on what I like to call the Milky Family Adventure, driving along in the family truckster. Shelly was in the seat next to me napping. The kids were all in the back actually being quiet. And as we were driving down Utah Route 12, there was, I had taken in and was taking in so much beauty. And I had the people that I love the most in this world right there with me. And as I'm driving down the road, I start sobbing uncontrollably because this God of ours who is so infinitely good was cramming more goodness into my heart than what my little heart could ever take. But see, there is more. There's more than even that, more than just these moments of life. Those moments in life will be replaced. But I want us this morning to try to imagine. Try to imagine for a a moment what this would be like. If you do me a favor, go ahead and close your eyes for a second and let's hit the lights. I want you just to think for a moment in this world of the very best things your five senses have ever taken in. And now I want you to take all of those memories and multiply them times infinity and times perfection. Imagine this, the entire new creation, the new heavens and the new earth constantly barraging your five bodily senses. And even more than that, in a way that we cannot understand in this world, God himself will radiate your body, every fiber of your being with his glory and with his love, with his goodness, with himself. Because you, in body and soul, will now have complete, total, perfect union with Him. Earthly marriage has been replaced with the marriage of God with you, with us. Imagine. <laughs> An old song came to mind this week. I'd like you to hear it. If you know it, you can sing it and pray it. 